Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ, culture, and the church. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast today. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined here in the studio today with my co-host, Stephen. Yes, you are. Hello. And my other co-host by way of call-in this morning, Laura. Hey, guys. Hey, we're so glad to have you with us today as we're talking about healing from shame. So we hope you'll stay with us for the full discussion ahead. Well, guys, August has definitely been one of those months. I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, Steve and I were talking about earlier in the studio today. Actually, he came in tonight and he's like, dude, I hadn't seen you in forever. And it feels it's like it's literally been weeks. <laughs> literally has been weeks since we've seen each other because uh, you were out. I had my, so I had a heart procedure the first of August so that went right. very well and um, had been waiting on it for a year. So that's great. And then I literally was back at work, I think, for a total of four. Four, I think it was almost a week. I think it was six days. But when you got back, I left. Yes. So you, then I went away left. on a personal kind of spiritual retreat. My wife and I got away for a few days. Yes. And then while we were gone, we saw each other once in the six yeah, five yeah. the six days I was back. Yeah. And then I got COVID. Um, I think twelve days ago now. Um, I just completed my quarantine yesterday, so my last day was yesterday. So I'm back in the saddle today. But um, I got COVID, and then I was out for ten days. Then you were gone, and then you came back, but I was still out. And it it's been a month, guys. <laughs> but hey, there is light at the end of the tunnel because Roanoke, Virginia, is receiving its first Chili's restaurant. Oh, and so <laughs> I'm finding I'm finding a little bit of solace in the fact that we are getting. Yeah. A Chili's in our town of a couple hundred thousand people that needed one for years. You and Emily are major Chili's fans because like, I know when you travel, the roof, man. you guys make a point to go find Chili's. We will actually adjust our route based on Chili's if there's <laughs> if it's not going to take more than like fifteen to twenty minutes. Like we will adjust our route for a Chili's. Well, that's that that that. That's our family too, though. I'm yeah. going to say that. Yeah. 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 And part of that goes back to as well when you guys were overseas. Uh, Chili's, I believe, was one of the restaurants that was in the town, in the city um, that you guys were stationed in. Because I remember when we visited you, Chili's was like our one our one thing of America that you could get. I need you all to know that when Steven and his friend uh, Logan, hey Logan, shout out to Logan, um, came to stay with us for a while, for a whole summer actually. Yeah. When they came, I have, I'm not sure. I've ever seen two people eat so much food as that time we took you to the mall and you guys ordered <laughs> <laughs> like entire like trays of appetizers and, and everything. They it were was, so excited for American restaurants. Yeah. It was like three weeks in <laughs> and like we were in the heart of like no America <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> but that's because I think that the only thing that Steven and Logan knew how to cook at that point in their life was grilled cheese. <laughs> yes. So yeah, it was grilled cheese and rice. That was, that was pretty yeah. much hard diet no shame no shame right <laughs> but yes Chili's is here so yeah. i'm finding a little solace in my in our weird month of august <laughs> mm. and it's been <laughs> a busy month for you too hasn't it laura because getting resettled yeah. and kids getting back in school so oh yeah they august. started at a new school this year so it's been like a learning curve for everybody for them and for us and so yeah it's been busy 
Well, guys, today on the podcast, we're talking about healing from shame, and uh, we've been kind of doing a mini-series through uh, different emotions, and, and I would say probably one of those emotions that people have all experienced uh, is the emotions of guilt and shame. And so Laura is going to get us set up here today on our, our conversation, kind of where what, what we're going to talk about and then where we're headed. Shame is a powerful emotion, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Uh, most definitely. Yeah. 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 Huge. Um, it's so powerful that I think that it can paralyze us from living the life that God has in store for his children. Um, have you all experienced that in your own life of being paralyzed by fear or maybe knowing someone who's been paralyzed by fear and shame? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I seriously, that's one of those things like the Bible says, like there's no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. And I, Mm -hmm. I think when we talk about guilt and shame today on the podcast, like this is a common experience among all of mankind. Yeah. And I've even heard it put too that shame is like a um, prison uh, without walls and a cell without bars, you know? And it's one of those things where shame will literally take you and lock you up and you feel like you can't get away from it. And the way it makes you feel is like, I loved what you said earlier about how it almost makes you feel paralyzed, you know? And I think many people are paralyzed in shame, uh, for maybe their past. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about maybe even, um, a false sense of guilt or that leads to shame. Uh, but I think that, um, yes, I would totally agree with you that it is a very, um, paralyzing feeling and it's a very prevalent feeling i believe too in much of um christianity today and it's it's something that can hold people back you know Mm -hmm. in their life and i think you know within their own spiritual life and so today on the podcast we really want to talk about what what is that path forward in healing from you know soul crushing shame and we're going to talk about what is shame we're going to talk about god's response to our shame and then we're really going to kind of take a little bit of time at the end to really walk forward of what that path in healing looks like uh, from shame so just kind of on the outset if we were to kind of define shame um, you know oftentimes we use the words guilt and shame very interchangeably however they are a different word so laura you want to set us up for that sure Um, Merriam-Webster defines um, guilt as the fact of having committed a breach of conduct, especially violating law and involving a penalty. It's very, I don't know, that one, it seems very straightforward. I think a lot of times I always associate guilt as only a feeling, like I feel guilty about something or feeling heavy because I've done something wrong, but it is also just a fact that that I have done something. Hmm. That is wrong. Right. And then shame is very, even more specifically, like going beyond just being guilty and then also feeling guilty. Um, Shame is a feeling of regret as well and sadness um, that you have because you know you've done something wrong. The ability to feel guilt, regret, embarrassment, dishonor, or disgrace. Right. Right. So, so there is a difference there. You know, I think guilt is focusing more on the action of something. It's very action oriented. You know, when we think about, you know, the, that definition talking about, uh, you know, a breach of conduct. So it's something that you did or, or something that you didn't do or something that you thought you should have done or, or, you know, it's, it's very action oriented in that way. Whereas shame, it seems to go much deeper, doesn't it? I mean, it, it seems so much more internalized very much rooted in how we view our identity. And uh, so oftentimes when we think about guilt, you know, we can think about guilt as something that I did or something that happened or something in the past. Whereas 
shame is is often so much more how people would say who they are. You know, it's it's who I am. It's I am wrong. I feel shameful. I it's it's a state of being and all of that. Yeah, shame I believe is like an overflow of guilt. Um, guilt being the fact of like what's already been stated, it, it, it is a state of being, but it's also a feeling, right? So it's both. It is action oriented. Um, you are pronounced guilty by a judge when you break the law, but there's also a feeling attached to that. Attached to that, you know, the Bible talks about having a conscience void of offense, um, and there is a. I believe a positive to feeling guilty. Uh, we were talking about that a little bit before we started the the podcast, but like that's how you discipline yourself and even children to an extent is you let them know what they have done wrong. You are guilty. And then there should be a feeling of guilt that's attached with that. That will hopefully take root to where they will not do the action that was made them guilty again, you know? And so guilt is a feeling, but I also see that shame is like, the overflow of guilt. And I believe shame often is in my opinion. Um, and you can correct me if you disagree, but, um, I believe shame is often the negative side of guilt and it takes guilt many times to a negative, um, direction of, um, not just feeling guilty or understanding I'm guilty, but taking it to where the guilt overwhelms me and it, paralyzes me and just changes mm-hmm. my complete view of who I am right. um, and what I've done. Yeah, it's, it's not just recognizing what I did or what I did wrong or what I should have done, but it's, it's, it's going into that state of feeling ashamed for who I am, right, and, and resting mm-hmm. in that. Um, I found interesting a quote by uh, Brene Brown. She's a researcher at the University of Houston, and she does a lot uh, writing on the topic of shame. She said this. She says, shame is an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And so she really ties into that that experience. And I think, you know, when we think about shame, I think the first place we probably would go to in our Bibles is thinking about the very beginning. You know, they're in the book of Genesis and in chapter one, we read of God creating this world and a beautiful, perfect world. The Bible describes it as good. And then he created mankind and the Bible describes that as very good. And, and, and all of that creation account ends in chapter two with this statement. The Bible says the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. And so right there in the Garden of Eden, we see mankind enjoying the blessings, the beauty, the perfection of God in all of his creation. And the Bible makes it really clear to state the fact that they felt no shame. And then we turn the page into the next chapter and we realize that then the serpent came into God's creation, tempted them to really disobey God and sin entered the world. And and I think it's important for us to recognize that specifically in a day where people don't want to talk about sin, right? Mm-hmm. That, that seems to be a topic that's not very um, socially accepted. I don't know. What do you guys think? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, even in, in Christianity, even people don't want to talk about sin, but in mainstream culture, nobody really wants to talk about morality and the sense of I could be wrong or I've done wrong. And so we find really the first place that shame is found in scripture. It's found there in Genesis chapter three. So in Genesis chapter three, verse seven, we see that then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And so when Adam and Eve sinned, like immediately they experienced this deep-seated sense of shame. And the Bible makes the point that they covered themselves, they went into hiding, which I find so interesting because isn't that the, the, the response of every person? Shame response, In yeah. the midst well, of their shame. They are they are afraid. And earlier in the episode at the very beginning, I coupled the word fear unintentionally with shame. But that's but that is the domino effect of shame. So you have guilt, you've done something wrong, you feel guilty because you are guilty. Right. And then there is shame. And then shame is a domino effect that leads to fear. And and you see that even with Adam and Eve. They're afraid and they're hiding. Hmm. Because of that deep-seated sense of shame. And, and they had this feeling, like they had this understanding that they knew what they did was wrong. But what it was is it was far more deeper than that because their identity was broken, right? I mean, that, that perfect identity had become fractured by sin. And so their identity in themselves would, they, you know, they, there was that deep-seated sense of shame that led them to hide from God. You know, and I know we referenced it earlier in the podcast, but we talked about, you know, there's no temptation that has overtaken you that is not common to man, the Bible says. So let me ask you guys this as we kind of just interject here for a minute. What are, what are some of the most common things that really cause people to feel shame you know i mean because i i don't I, I wouldn't say that you know we all have unique experiences certainly but there seems to be many common threads that run throughout humanity that would be common things that would lead people to feel feel shame um i'm thinking of i don't know if this is what you're thinking of shame from their past oh yeah um right. i think that people carry around especially believers they carry around a shame of who they were and what they did maybe before they met Christ or even after, like mistakes that they've made. Um, shame of past. Anything else you think of? Well, I think of that one because it seems to be like, you know, a skeleton in the closet that, that happened years right. and years ago that, you know, people feel like, man, hopefully nobody ever finds out about. Mm-hmm. And so there are things maybe in past, uh, secrets. Um, I think people sometimes are shamed by financial debt. You know, and, uh, you know, kind of pr- portraying a, a, an image that's maybe not true. And, um, you know, or, or maybe it's shame of an addiction. I mean, I've thought about that a lot this week. Yeah, um, I think, I think too, even maybe like, um, even just small things of societal, like public embarrassment, you know, like cult, like the way our culture tends to hop on somebody like, uh, like on their case and just like, man, they're going to, nail them to the wall if they've ever said one thing or done one thing you know it's the new cancel culture mantra mm. right on either side if anything's ever been said or done we're going to nail you to the wall there's no forgiveness no grace and like yes there should be guilt but like cancel culture operates on the shame <laughs> on the on literally the shame uh, paradigm and like, like that's the message is we will make you ashamed and publicly embarrassed and fear for everything that you have mm. for what you've done and that's a cultural societal shame that's coming down on someone yeah so i mean shame is a common experience in life and i think it's something it's really a device that you know our great adversary uses against us you know because i feel like the enemy tries to connect what we've done 
to become a point of our identity to define who we are, you know? And I think as Christians in the church, all of us have a past life. I mean, even a couple, uh, was it last Wednesday night, and I was teaching uh, about the Apostle Paul, and I thought about, you know, before Paul, actually, you know, before Paul became a Christian and his life was transformed by Jesus Christ, he was a murderer of the church, you know? And that was a part of his identity. Like, that was a part of who he was. And certainly, I would think after Paul came to Christ, so much of that from his past life, no doubt, was a point of, of, of haunting him, of, of something that he was wrestling through, working through, and being able to find freedom in Christ. And, you know, because I'm certain that, that the enemy tried to connect what he did to become a part of who, his identity of who he was. And, and after a while, you know, we start to believe it that way. You know, we start to feel so guilty and overwhelmed by guilt that we bring that into a, a point of shame in our life that we begin to feel unworthy and greatly broken and uh, truly shamed. And so, you know, so we see shame and I think we all can understand that in our own life. I think now we want to kind of shift gears a little bit here and and talk about, well, what is God's response to our shame? Well, in the story at the very beginning with Adam and Eve, God's response to them, well, we know what, we know what human response is. We're guilty. We feel shame. We're hiding. We're afraid. We don't want people to find out. And we don't, the other thing I noticed about Adam and Eve is they really don't know how to fix it. Okay. Hmm. They don't know what to do. They try a couple things and they don't work and they don't know how to mend like you were talking about their relationship with God. So they hide from him. And his response is that he comes looking for them. And the redemption story was all God's idea. Amen. So he's the one who authored this great rescue story. And his response to our shame is to find us. So when we want to hide away from him and we want to want to hide away from others and want to hide away from the church, even God's response is to come looking for us. And I love that because that's, that is the message of the gospel there is him coming, seeking after a lost sheep. Yeah. 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 So he comes looking he, for after them. That, he, yeah. After that, he provides a temporary fix for their situation. They needed some clothes because they felt shame. So we see um, God using animal skins to clothe them. They had tried some leaves. And if y'all have ever seen a fig leaf, they're real small. They're not, they're not big enough (laughs) for the situation that was. (laughs) So when we went to the Middle East, I remember um, we, we were there and someone pointed out this big, beautiful fig tree and they're like, look at those leaves. And I'm like, oh, well, you know. They needed some <laughs> It's not like they had so. like banana leaves um, so right, together. Right, these right. these were not so, banana leaves. leaves. God's like, wait, first we're going to deal with the, the what's happening here. And we're going to do animal skins. And then, in all seriousness, though, we see him um, giving us that first glimpse of the promise of the Savior, the rescuer, who was going to come and was going to fix our problem of shame and mend our relationship with God forever. That's awesome, because it's not only, as John Stott says in his book on basic Christianity, he says the good news, he's talking about the gospel, is not simply a declaration that God has said something. He says it is also the affirmation that God has done something. And so we we see that, don't we? In the cross of Christ, we see that in what Jesus has accomplished for us. 
that he uh, deals with our guilt and our shame, and we, he does that by becoming the guilty one. Uh, Jesus takes our place instead of us. Uh, the Bible makes it clear that, that, that for our sake, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And that phrase there, that we might become, it, that's identity language. That's talking about who we are. And so Christ became guilty for us. He overcame through his death and resurrection and overcame sin, guilt, once and for all, so that those who put their faith and trust in Christ can now experience this new life. And it is truly that exchange life that the Bible is talking about. Yeah, where literally the life of Christ that he lived for us becomes what we can attain to and have um, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And so um, he literally takes my guilt and my shame, um, both the... um, state of being and feeling of guilt, but also the shame that results from it. And I love that you see that too in um, in John 21. You literally see how Jesus takes shame because he confronts Peter on the shame that he felt for his sin when he denied Jesus. Hmm. And Peter literally run away from everything and turned his back on it all and was like, man, I'm just going to kind of go do my thing. I'm going to go fishing again, you know, and I'm going to go back to what I was doing because it's all over. And Jesus comes to him and he like reignites his whole vision of his life. And it's like, no, you're actually going to die for, for me. And uh, you're going to actually do great things. And um, you see just shortly after that, uh, Peter's going to speak and thousands are saved. Right. And so um, Jesus literally comes um, so that we can be free um, from the guilt, actual guilt and the perceived shame um, that we carry. And, and, you know, it's so awesome to think about how he took that for us, because the Bible makes it clear in the book of Romans that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are who are, who are in Christ. And, you know, so I, I guess the question is, you know, we understand what what shame and guilt are. And I think the gospel very clearly uh, the message of Christ shows us that he came to take on our shame and guilt, uh, to die in our place. But, but it's, that's, it's just not that half of the gospel. It's, it's also the part of the gospel that he's come to deliver us and to give us his eternal life and to make all things new. And, and that should be a reality for every person in Christ is to experience true freedom from their past and to experience a true sense of, of really healing, uh, complete healing, full healing uh, from that sense of shame. And so, um, you know, I guess the question I would ask Laura is this, what do we do with the shame that isn't our fault? Or I guess, you know, maybe people carry guilt from things um, that they didn't do. I, you know, cause guilt is not just something that we're guilty for what I did or, or what I didn't do, but I should have done. But, but it, but I, I think there's also an aspect of guilt. And I think we see this, um, where, where people feel guilt for doing better than somebody else. I mean, we would think about it as survivor's guilt, right? And, uh, right. there's so much of, um, I guess, psychology that is actually focused on that one aspect of guilt. So, I mean, what would you say to that? Like people that carry guilt for things that they didn't even do, but maybe it's a perceived, you know, thought that they should have done, but they didn't do. And so now they carry guilt from that. Well, I'm going to be a very enthusiastic advocate for biblical counseling. Um, I know that a lot of times shame is, it's very rarely clear cut, I think. 
Um, it's easy for us to talk about all of this as it's clear cut because there is that in Christianity, there is that clear cut. Like we get Jesus life for our life. We, we get to exchange, we get his innocence when he, you know, he took our guilt. That part is clear cut, but the processing through like whether it's, it's legitimate guilt and shame that we have brought on our own lives that we have to deal with. We still, you know what? Sometimes we also, we have that we have that exchange life with Christ, like that's settled forever. But, but sometimes we really do still have to deal with the consequences of our own sin. Mm -hmm. So you've got that layer of, of dealing with guilt and shame too. Um, and I think that a lot of times we need some help navigating this by someone who, who is, um, educated and trained in the scriptures and in psychology to help us walk through this to decipher whether or not this is true guilt and shame whether this is something we have assumed on ourselves or someone else has put on us um but i'm my first i mean i know there's other things and i know you guys have things to add to it but i am gonna say please please seek help yeah we yeah. if there's no literally there is no shame in seeking help sure it's the best thing that you can do for yourself and, and I think it's maybe that's something I, I was talking about this with Jessica the other night. And I said, you know, I think sometimes the church gets and I speak about church, this big, big C church, broad mm -hmm. church. But I think sometimes the church gets um, gets criticized for for not helping people through some of these things. When in actual fact, I was thinking about it, and I, I know there's many things that could be done. But but I think sometimes the question is like, well, well, what can the church actually do? Because at a certain level, like what you're saying, it requires an emotional response to something. And and oftentimes people don't know your emotions. People people don't know really what you've worked through. And even sometimes people in their sense of shame have kind of built another persona of themselves to really mask and hide what they're really dealing with. And I would just echoing your point, I would just say, you know, for people that are there in that process of of realizing, man, there's a lot of things in my life that I'm I'm allowing shame to become my identity and without realizing it, uh, know about the identity that Christ gives and, and what that means for those who become Christians. And like you do say, there is that gap between what Christ has made me now and what he will completely make me. You know, we, we, we refer to that as justification, sanctification and glorification, right? So there's a work of Christ that has happened in my life. He's justified me by his grace. One day I will be glorified and completely changed forever. But there is that process right now of sanctification that we're working through and i think that's why i would describe you know healing from shame as as partly a process and also um you know something that we must apply day by day moment by mm -hmm. moment and i think it's something that we do need to reach out to other people and i think we more than anything need to recognize where we are you know, I, I wonder if sometimes people are more driven by a sense of shame than they realize, and and that's become a driver for them in their own personal life more than what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? Mm -hmm. Because the Bible calls us those things should be drivers in the life of a believer, right? So love, joy, peace, those things should be what drives me in my Christian life. And I would say f far too many Christians probably are still driven or feeling driven in their life because of a sense of shame. And so we equate that even into our own spiritual life. And we try to 
pursue our relationship with Christ not from a position of joy and love and hope, but, mm-hmm. but probably from a sense of guilt and shame. What do you think, Stephen? Yeah, I would completely agree with ever all of that. Um, I would just say um, when when I talk to people who are going through severe bouts of shame, I always encourage them stop hiding, start talking, and um, I always encourage them to hey it's going to be hard. (laughs) And so don't be discouraged by the initial um, hardness of the task. Um, Rise to the occasion and rise above that hardness. And when you do, you will see the joy that comes from it and the freedom that comes from it. Um, We were not created to hide. We were not created that way. We were actually created to live openly. That's why man and uh, mankind, men and women were created naked. Um, and so we actually brought hiding into the equation and hiding from each other, God, and even ourselves to an extent of admitting um, what truly is the case in our own lives. And so God created us to live open before him, others, and honest with ourselves. And uh, I think it starts there. And uh, it can start too, I believe, for us individually, uh, when we understand And we really memorize, like you both have been saying, when we understand and memorize who we are in Christ, uh, when we can go to the scripture and we can see that because yes, counseling is going to be a great thing and is necessary. Yes, we need to um, go after personal sanctification. Yes, we need um, to start talking to others and bringing others into our life. But we really need to be able to sit down and go to God's word and have promises from him about who we are so that when we can't get a hold of our counselor, when we can't get a hold of someone else because it's 3 a.m. in the morning and we're laying in bed and we don't know what to do and how we feel, we can go to God and his word and we can see the promises he's given. Yeah. And, and you know, well, because I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you there. No, There's a little delay. No, the, yeah, the, um, you're talking, we're basically talking about there's counseling with professionals. There is, um, there's the comfort that we find in community and being authentic in a safe place. And you do need to be careful about where you share all of your heart to find a safe place with a fellow believer that you can share and, um, walk through all of this with. But also, like Stephen's saying, the, the next step, though, is also we really need to be able to counsel ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, and I think that's something that's often neglected today because, you know, the, the fact is count and all three of those things are equally important, right? I mean, every one mm-hmm. of us should be able to recognize who we would go to for counseling. And I think sometimes we've created even a culture of shame, maybe within our own world about people seeking help as if that's a bad thing. Actually, that should be a positive thing. Like every one of us should be able to know, like in moments of hardship, crisis, difficulty, who would we turn to? And, and if we've not asked that question or even considered that question, then I don't think we're really, maybe we're in an honest place. Maybe we need that, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. but, the, but the fact is we only get counseling community a handful of times a week. That cannot sustain somebody in their spiritual life. And I think what you bring out is very important. It's that third aspect that it really requires me moment by moment, day by day, shifting my focus. Um, because, you know, when I'm crippled by shame, I'm, I'm really allowing my identity before Christ to take root in my life. And I'm dwelling on the fact that I am guilty, that I am a sinner, that I am bad, that I am flawed. But when I recognize who I am in Christ, my past is covered by the grace of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and he's made me new. And I think that's why the driving for- force of the letter of Hebrews says, therefore, since we have a great 
cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, including guilt and shame, right? In parentheses. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I think that passage is so important when we think about guilt and shame because Jesus despised the shame, the very same shame that the Bible is telling us to lay aside the sin and weights and to shift our eyes and focus on Christ. And because there's many people today that that get robbed day by day of their intimacy with God, the hope of eternal life, because they're being just controlled by this dominating feeling of shame. And I find it interesting that in that passage, part of the gospel is that Jesus despised the shame. And I think that's what God would feel for each one of us today. I mean, God despises the shame that people feel from whatever, right? Fill in the blank. What's crippled them in their life. And his attitude, God's attitude in the midst of our shame is that he despises it. He hates it. He loathes it. Why? Because it's robbing us from the hope of Christ and the promise of joy that he's given. I found this quote this week by John Piper to be so helpful here. He says, in relating to this verse, he says, shame was stripping away every earthly support that Jesus had. His friends gave way in shaming abandonment. His reputation gave way in shaming mockery. His decency gave way in shaming nakedness. His comfort gave way in shaming torture. His glorious dignity gave way to the utterly undignified. Degrading reflexes of grunting and groaning and screeching. And Piper makes a statement. He says he despised it. And I thought, man, what is, what's a great way to think about, you know, what Jesus is saying about our shame and, and what Jesus is literally saying as he is going to the cross is he's saying, shame, you no longer have power over me. I'm not going to be controlled by shame. None of that, that shame and all of that pales in comparison to the joy that is set before me. And out of all the things that that verse could say about Jesus and about his work on the cross. I find it interesting that it says that Jesus despised the shame and it is that shame that he wants us to lay aside uh, because it's through Christ that we can be made new. We can be made forgiven and truly be healed of shame. And so um, I find what uh, Craig Groeschel says on the topic. He says, the only way to heal from shame is to move the focus from what I'm not to who Christ is. And uh, what do you guys think about that? I thought that was so good to, to shift the focus from from what I'm not to who Christ is. Well, yeah, because shame is literally what's it, it's a negative focus. It's a focus on um, either something that I've done and not letting it go or my incapacities and my weakness. And so therefore, the only way to get around shame is to get a proper perspective of reality. And um, as Christians, which is what we are and the worldview that we hold, um, that is Christocentric. And so we must get a Christ-centered view um, if we are to gain the correct sense of reality. Mm. Right. You know, there's another passage that I um, I want to read real quick. It's 1 John 3, 1 and 19 through 21. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God 
is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So it, it says that God is greater than our heart and that he knows everything. You know, it, it would be easy for me to say, well, God is greater than my heart, but maybe he really doesn't know how bad I am. It, it actually says next, he knows everything. And God is greater than our heart. So um, our condemnation was all taken on Christ. And we live an exchange life. And this is the reality of the believer. Whether we feel it or not, it is our actual reality, our standing before God, because we have been given Christ's life in exchange for ours. That's great. And I think that is what we need to dwell on. That's the focus of where our mind needs to be, not on the past of what's happened, but but the power of God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness, and who he now declares us to be uh, in Christ. We're going to post in our show notes today for this episode a link to an article from Christ Life Ministries that talks about really the life of the believer. And it, and it's a whole bunch of verses about our new identity in Christ. And I think maybe as you sign off from here today, that would be a great link to click on follow and begin to dwell on some of these verses and consider how you might shift your focus and change your gaze from where you're feeling crippled by and crushed by uh, really a, a condemnation sense of shame and guilt and begin to realize what Jesus Christ has done for you and begin to meditate on that and declare uh, really who God says you are uh, to be true of you. And then uh, if maybe today you've never experienced that, maybe you've never had a really a moment of salvation, of, of experiencing God uh, in his grace and mercy for the first time, we here at Where We Land would love to talk to you about that. And so if you just want to send us a direct message on one of our social media accounts, we would be more than happy uh, to engage with a conversation with you and uh, just be able to share more ab- about the life transforming good news of Jesus Christ. I'm going to end with this verse in Psalm 34. It says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. And so today we hope that would be true of you, uh, that you would find God to be truly good. And what he says, the difference that he can make in our life is so profound and that you would rest in the sense that when you look to him, you never have to be ashamed again. And we hope you experience that in its fullness in your life today. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time. Thank you for listening to Where We Land, Christ, Culture, and the Church. Hey, listen, if there's anything we talked about on the show today that you would like to know more about, we would love to hear from you. So send us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook, or reach out to us online at wherewelandland.org. Hey, listen, we hope to see you here next time on the podcast. We'll see you then.